Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. Hey church, God told us a year ago that we would be moving to become a church without walls. And so we are in the middle of that right now. In my hand, I've got a, a grinder and that is an apparatus to prepare something that is ordinarily unutilizable like these coffee beans. Make them fine and grind them into a powder like this to be used like this. How we respond in adversity sets us up for victory. I want to take you on a walk of maturity with the Israelites this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is a wonderful strategy for kingdom building. God takes them from immaturity to maturity through adversity. Adversity prepares us for victory. What you are going through right now is a staging process. It's a refinement process to help you lay hold of victory. So I've got empowering and exciting concepts. My key verse comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 16, it says, He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you and to test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. He humbled us and tested us. He took us through the desert to humble us and test us, so that in the end it might go well with you. So I'm going to parallel your spiritual journey with the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, this happens all the time. The book of Hebrews is written exactly for this purpose to show us that the tribe, the nation of Israel, is a mirror of our spiritual life and our spiritual process. And we can learn through the lessons that they learned from and the lessons that they failed. That We can learn to not go down the same road, right? God delivered himself a people from Egyptian slavery. He took them for himself through the Red Sea, through the desert, in order to place them into a land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land that was incredibly prosperous. He didn't want to take them from one form of slavery to another form of slavery. He wanted to take them from slavery into victory. But that same mentality that they had as slaves had to change. Adversity did this. God led them into the desert. God refined them and God prepared them for what was ahead. I'm trusting that this time of adversity will prepare you for God's victory in your life. Now God describes four levels of victory in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read to you. Be careful, verse 1, to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may number one live Number two, increase, that you may enter and that you may possess the land that the Lord promised on earth to your forefathers. There's four levels of victory. Survival, which is to live. And then there is thriving, which is to increase, to become productive and fruitful. But then also, not just to live and survive the desert and increase in the desert, but that you may enter into what God has prepared for you and that you may prosper therein. 
so that you may make it very, very fruitful as you possess what God has got for you. I'm going to name those again. That you may live, that you may increase, that you may enter, and that you may possess what God has given you. So, first of all, how do these four things work? Well, those are the descriptions of spiritual maturity. But before we can live in those and own those levels of spiritual maturity, there is a process that we must undergo. And I'm going to break these open for you. The first one is humility. Let's talk about humility. And friends, even the most gifted among us needs to embrace these boot camp principles, these preparations to make us mature. Humility. How can we be more humbled than being a slave, you may ask? How can you be more humbled than the Jews were as slaves in Egypt? Well, friends, there's a difference between humility and humiliation. Humiliation means you are subjected to a state of humility. To a state of positional humility. But humility, friends, is in the heart. I remember the story as, as a kid. I was told this once by a teacher. And they said, you know, it's one thing to be compliant, to sit in class because the teacher tells you to sit. But inside, you're actually standing. Rebellion can be in your heart, even though you are in servitude or you are compliant, but your heart is not compliant. And the Israelites were like this. They were, they were taken from a place of slavery, but they were rebellious in their hearts and had to learn to stop be rebelling against God. And so God had to break that thing inside of them, firstly by blessing them, right? God breaks, he breaks a hard heart by blessing us. He breaks a hard heart by disciplining us. He breaks a hard heart by taking us on a process um, of, of change and a, a process of salvation. So firstly, humility is a heart condition. It's not a station or a title in life. You can say, well, I'm humble. I'm hum a person of humble circumstances. I don't have a great job. In fact, I might even be unemployed. That, that's humble. No, no, that's, that's not humble. That's not a position or a state, is status in life. That's, that's not humility. Humility is a station of the heart. You see, the way up is the way down. If Serving is beneath you. Leadership is beyond you. And God wants you to be victorious and to possess the inheritance. That means becoming a leader in some way. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord that he may lift you up. We humble ourselves before him and he lifts us up. He promotes us. Promotion is not from the east or the west or the north or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. You see, the principle of victory is humility. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is James chapter 4 verse 7. The same chapter where we say, humble yourselves before the Lord says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, the principle of spiritual victory is humility, submission to God. So God took the Jews through the desert to teach them to submit to him. And how did he do that? Well, friends... You see, we, we, we chase, we, we, we um, find ourselves in a, um, a strange situation where we are going to learn humility. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 14 says, listen to this. A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? See, a humiliated spirit, no one can bear. 
But a humble spirit, a submissive spirit, that man's spirit sustains him in sickness. Why? Because we're not rebelling against God. We're embracing God's pruning. We're embracing God's forming. We're embracing God's uh, um, hand on our lives. And so we can endure all things because are we enduring the suffering? No, we're enduring the hand of discipline. The word says in Hebrews, it says that all hardship is discipline. Embrace hardship as discipline because God is disciplining his children. He's preparing us. See, discipline is not punishment. Don't misunderstand uh, discipline and punishment. Punishment's a different thing. God is not a, a, a penalty uh, giving God. He's not a, 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 a wrathful God. He he's a He's a righteous God. He's a just and he's a, a loving father. So he takes us through things to discipline us, to prune us, to make us even more fruitful. He's not punishing us. If you think of the, um, maybe a picture of a rose plant, God is not cutting our roots uh, to punish us. He is pruning the growth to discipline us, to make us more fruitful and to make the flowers blossom even better. You see, the word tells us that God doesn't allow slaves to rule. We have to change. That slavery in our heart has to change. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 22 says, Under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. A slave who becomes a king. Slaves cannot become kings, right? A fool who is full of food. A unloved woman who is married. And a maid servant who displaces her mistress. What, what are these four things? The four things talk about undue promotion. A slave who becomes a king. Or a maidservant who displaces her mistress. These are people who get promoted ahead of the process. I can remember asking God once. I was nagging God about something. And God just interrupted me in the middle of my prayer. And uh, I was busy praying. And I was involved. And, and then God said, you can't shortcut process. And I realized right then that there were things in my heart that needed to change. We, we can't change the exterior without changing the internals. Now, outer space is conquered by inner space. Our heart needs to change. Undue promotion. God cannot make a slave into a king. He has to take first the slave out of slavery, but then he has to take slavery out of the slave to make him fit for rulership. And so God had to prepare the hearts and the minds of the Israelites to take them through the land of the wilderness from Egypt, through wilderness, through adversity, to change their hearts so that they would be fit to rule and conquer. They had not known warfare. They had not known battle. They had not known struggle. They'd always been slaves and servants to another nation who took care of their needs and to, to you know, obviously they were brutal and harsh, but they had shelter. They had food. And now all of a sudden they had to learn, these Jews had to learn to trust God for their survival. They had to learn to trust him for food and for, and for comfort and for clothing. And so Jer um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter Eight, talks about that he says remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart it's not God who doesn't know what's in our heart we don't know what's in our heart right he shows us the testing comes so that we can learn what's in our own hearts to humble us and to test us all right in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands he humbled you, listen to this, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither your fathers had known, 
to teach you that a man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So God tests us. And how does he test us? He tests us by providing for us to show us what's in our heart. He takes us down to almost nothing and then he feeds us and he shows us that we survive on him and not survive on stuff. We don't need stuff. At this time, I think our whole lives are being pruned back and we realize that we don't really need as much stuff as we think we need. You know, we squeal because our comforts are taken away. But actually, we learn to live on God. And how did he feed us? He fed us with manna that neither us nor our fathers have known, says the word. So, so, so that we can learn that we don't live on food, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What can we trust? We can't trust the media. What can we trust? We can't trust social media. Can we trust what the government's telling us? I'm not sure the statistics are correct. What can we trust? We can trust the word of God. So this is something that our fathers and ourselves don't know. The manner that comes from the hand of God. See, Jesus responded to Satan when he was tempted. Satan said, take these stones, turn them into bread. In other words, relieve your hunger, relieve your, your uh, frustration. You've been tempted in the desert. You've been tested. You're fasting. Relieve your discomfort. Make a quick fix. Turn these stones into bread. Use your power. Use your authority. Surely God doesn't want you to suffer. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You don't learn to trust in the word of God until you are in adversity. We can trust the hand of a loving father. Can we not? So the second concept is God is testing us, right? He doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. Number one is humility, the process. Number two is the test. God doesn't tempt, but he does test. Deuteronomy 2, uh, 8 verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order that you may know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. You see, God is taking us from a place of immaturity to maturity. Now, when our kids are small, we need to command them to do things. We, we have instructions, we have basic instructions, and we've got penalties if they don't fulfill our instructions. And so there's a consequence. And so God teaches immature people through consequence. There's commands. After that, there's a place of maturity where I don't have to command my kids, but I co-labor with them. My kids are now a little bit older. So Abigail's 17, Joshua's 18. And, and I hope that they can think for themselves. I, I, we don't have to make food for them all the time. We don't have to uh, transport them around all the time. They start taking care of their own needs. They co-labor with us. The conversations we have aren't, hey, uh, pick up your socks, make up your bed. Uh, there's a different kind of maturity that comes and a different level of responsibility. And so with maturity comes responsibility and God wanted to give his children responsibility in a land flowing with milk and honey. He wanted them to rule. He didn't want them to just be slaves anymore and to obey the basics. But God starts with basics, right? The third thing is transparency. He says, I tested you because I wanted to know. I wanted you to know what was in your heart. Testing brings forth the bottom dwelling creatures in our life. Years ago, I read a book by Jamie Buckingham. It was called Risky Living. It was a great book. And it was, the analogy was a lake. You know, a lake has wonderful reflections. If it is dead calm, the lake has wonderful reflections 
of the mountainside and, and everything that is on the other side. You've seen these photos, uh, almost a mirror image reflection of beauty. You could turn it upside down and you wouldn't know which side was up or not, which was the actual mountain, which is the reflection in a lake. But when turbulence comes, when troubled times comes, it, it, it lashes up and, and that clear water becomes murky. And then the things that are at the bottom start getting revealed. The things that are lost, the things that are um, uh, maybe dropped in the lake, uh, maybe a car wreck that's at the bottom. The sediment get, gets removed and, and then all of a sudden you can see the things that are at the bottom. Adversity has a nature of bringing up these nasty things that are in our heart. Adversity, being locked up with your family, has an ability to bring out what's actually in your heart. The things that we don't deal with. The things that are wonderful when it is calm. The things we don't take notice of. The things we don't take care of. Listen to Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13. It says, He who conceals his sin doesn't prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces his sin finds mercy. He who conceals his sin does not prosper. But he who confesses and renounces his sin finds mercy. Transparency is the third thing that God produces in our life. He humbles us to test us so that we may know what's in our heart. Number four, God produces his boot camp, obedience, humility, testing, transparency, obedience. God produces obedience in us. Verse 5. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Hebrews says that if you are not disciplined by God, you're an illegitimate son. Therefore, embrace discipline because God is treating you as a son. He's setting you up for an inheritance. And this is what God was doing with the Jews. He was preparing them to rule over the country, Canaan, Israel, the promised land. But they had to slay the, the, the beasts there first. If you're going through boot camp, I remember going to the army. For the first few weeks, you get maybe two, three hours sleep a night. You're drilled, you, are, you run, you get very, very fit. You learn basic hygiene, you, you, you learn how to iron your clothes, you learn inspection, there's military strictness, you can eat off the floor, it is polished, your boots are polished, everything is spick and span. Discipline, 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 discipline. Why? Because without discipline, there is no victory. You cannot win a war. When the commanding officer shouts, he says, duck, there's bullets flying, you need a duck. If he says jump, you've got to jump without even asking how high. It has got to be instantaneous obedience for military precision, for effectiveness in a time of war. And God was teaching his people to be instantaneously obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So that when they went into the promised land, when the commanding officer, when the Holy Spirit would speak, they would act and there would be a decisive victory over the enemy. They needed to learn obedience. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walk in his ways and revere him. Let's go back to verse 3. Is it possible that God can cause us to hunger? He says, hey, there is something that you and your forefathers did not know. Manna. You see, we can't live on the revelation of our fathers. They have not been this road before. We can't even base our experience with God and our reading of the times on our own experience. Why? Because we have not been this way before. 
God says to them, I gave you, I fed you with something that you and your forefathers had not known. I believe that God wants us to live on a daily revelation. How are we going to make it through these hard times? A daily revelation of God. Now, manna was substance that, uh, it was called manna because uh, that was like from the Hebrew, manna. What is this? And it fell from the sky, we assume, but it was on the ground in the morning when they woke up and they would have to pick it up like coriander seed, the Bible says. It was stuff that they had to pick up and they tasted it. It tasted sweet like honey and they didn't really know what it was. What is this? Well, listen, sometimes God's manna looks like, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this? Let's eat it. The interesting thing about manna is it would only last for that day. You had to pick it up every single day. Otherwise, it would grow worms and make you sick. You could think, well, hey, listen, let's go out today. We're going to pick up double so that tomorrow we don't have to work. And when they did, it would go off overnight. You see, we need a daily revelation of God. A daily, God, what is this? A daily, God, what am I in? A daily, God, what do I do? I need a word from you for my survival. Show me, God. Show me a daily manner. I urge you and encourage you to press into God and find a daily word, a daily sustenance. Neither you nor your forefathers had known. And then he says this. To teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then he says, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Verse 5. Know then in your hearts that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Discipline is preparation. It's preparation. Preparation. Observe the commands of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways and revere him. For the Lord your God, and here is the cause, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. God is taking you through this into something spectacular. A land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valley and in the hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land, listen to this, where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. That sounds great, right? When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. What is he saying? He's saying in prosperity, we forget the lessons of adversity. When we are blessed, we forget God. He says, don't do that. I'm taking you through this thing so that I can keep reminding you of how good I am and actually that I have done this for you. You didn't do this for yourself. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and, you, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. What was the first lesson? Humility. Don't let your heart be proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you. He's leading us, friends. Through this vast and dreadful desert 
that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat. Listen to this. In the desert, something your fathers had not known to humble you and to test you so that in the end, it may go well with you. There is an end, friends. In the end, it will go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have provided this wealth for me. But remember, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God doesn't give you wealth. It doesn't just fall from the sky. He gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. God has made a covenant with you. There is a covenant of blessing. But that covenant says, I'm giving you abilities to pull through this and to create wealth. I'm giving you abilities that your blessing won't come from the hand of man. We're not looking to man. We're not looking to systems. We are looking to God. We're not looking to Egypt where we've come from. We're not looking for uh, financial systems to support us. We're looking to the hand of God. And that when you're blessed and God gives you ideas and businesses. And when God gives you um, patents and and uh, copyright articles. Where he gives you passive income. He gives you an ability to produce it. He doesn't give you the money. He gives you abilities to produce wealth. So that in the end it may go well with you. See God has got a plan friends. In all of this to sum it up god has got a plan number one that you live that you increase that you enter and you possess all of those things he has promised us he wants you to thrive not to survive slavery hardship is behind us adversity is what we're in and victory is ahead. Learn to be victorious in this situation that you may be victorious over the giants that you need to conquer to enter the land that God has provided for you. Friends, God bless you. We love you. We are missing you. It is really tricky to not be able to gather. I am missing my Foresight family out of my heart. But I want to say, guys, let's use this opportunity to muscle up in boot camp time and become these victorious warriors that God has called us to be. Remember, adversity produces victory. We love you.